tonight. This world, this uh, country that we live in, I guess we could be specific about that needs uh, the whole world does, but more uh, specifically, we're ministering in a town in America and America needs good ministers, good ministers. Apostasy, we talked about earlier, we're in First Timothy 4, if you want to start turning there. It's going to rear its ugly head and it's not going to stop. Apostasy will come in all different shapes and all different sizes. And apostasy may be different here than it is somewhere else, but it will be everywhere. And the problem that our culture faces, and starting in the 1990s, there was this shift towards everybody's going to go with their feelings. It was, um, it, was, it was how to reach someone's felt needs. And when Rick Warren came on the scene with his book, it was, I mean, they just blew that thing up. You know, we're going to create a marketing machine, basically, that shows ministers how they can reach the culture's felt needs. And that became a big problem because it was all about feelings. Yeah. And not really about teaching the word of God. And so you just kind of cherry pick some verses and we'll try to give you a quick fix, you know. We just, we just fix your feelings on a Sunday. And that has really shifted now or took a turn for the worse. You, as some would probably argue that maybe it's the fruit of this um, felt needs gospel. But we now live in a nation that absolutely hates God. They hate God's word. They hate yeah. God's ministers. They hate you as a Christian. And they hate the Bible. And we're, we, are in a, we are in a hot mess, and we need, the church needs, America needs, some good ministers. The church really isn't under attack from the world. The world kind of is what it always is. The church is under attack by the prosperity gospel preachers, yeah. the Kenneth Copelands, the right. Todd Whites, he's got his dreads, the Stephen Furtick's. All of these guys are false ministers. They're not yeah. good ministers. Right. And they don't help. They hurt. You have entire denominations now that have wholly given up on a six-day literal creation. You look at the Episcopal denomination, they've completely given over to, no, it's not, no, that, that, that God didn't mean what he said. This, the, the church needs some good ministers. Yeah. Almost every denomination, including Baptist denominations, we heard of a story from a lady that visited our church that told us about this. But almost every denomination, every stripe, every flavor has embraced and accepted this LGBT lifestyle. I can't think of anything more wicked. Yeah, right. I want to welcome them like we would welcome any sinner, but you just can't stop preaching against sin and stop preaching for righteousness because someone's sin, they want it to be okay. Yeah. Look, we did that, um, uh, the, the festival, the Gay Pride Festival, every year when it comes to town, every year there's more churches that are there for it than are there actually preaching the gospel. Wow. That's the buckle of the Bible Belt. Wow. The church needs some good ministers. First Timothy chapter number four, we've been going verse by verse through this. And the Bible says we are going to pick it up in 
Verse number six. Bible says, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. And we talked about those things. We preached verse by verse through the seducing spirits, the doctrines of devils, the hypocrisy, the forbidding to marry, all of that, abstaining from meats, nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving and, and all of that. And wasn't it neat last Thursday we got to talk about food and how we can eat whatever we want to eat? I mean, that, isn't that great? That's a, that's a blessing. And, you know, so you don't have to worry about uh, Levitical law. Um, you can just enjoy what you want to enjoy. You don't have to tie yourself into the Daniel diet, amen, and just, I mean, you can just have at it. Now, when we get to verse number six, we read, we read what we read, and now watch what comes up next in verse six. Thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, watch this, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine whereunto thou hast attained. It was all about food and the physical nourishment, and you can eat what you want, and then verse 6, there's this quick change to, if you want to be a good minister, you need to be nourished up. Oh, you mean I can eat any foods I want? No, you better be in the Word. Yeah. That's the nourishing up that we need. And that's the downfall of American churchianity is that ministers aren't in the Word. <laughs> it's too much time at the Golden Corral. It's too much time at the feasting table enjoying the bounty that God has given, not enough time getting nourished up in spiritual things, in the word and in good doctrine. That's what we need. Church, churches used to have revival meetings and down here it was very, we were talking some about this last week, it was a very popular thing. If a conservative Baptist church had a revival meeting, you'd have all the flavors that were conservative from the different denominations come to that meeting. That's not happening anymore. My question is, is there anything left to revive? It's, it, it's bad. You can't even get Baptist to fellowship anymore at the same meeting. It's been competition. It's not about spiritual growth. It's yeah. about, well, he might preach something I don't agree with. Well, so what? Yeah. Is he preaching the gospel? Is he not trying to steal members? Does he have a good spirit? Is there something you can learn from him? I've learned a lot from folks that um, I don't agree with all their doctrine. Anybody ever re read Ravenhill's book? I passed it out, Why Revival Tarries, last year. I hope you all read it. I don't agree with a lot of the stuff that Leonard Ravenhill believes. But I'll tell you, that book will help you. Revival. <laughs> revival. Is there anything left to revive? Hmm. If we don't have good ministers, no. Yeah. It starts with the ministers. We don't have a political fight. We don't have a social fight. We have a good fight, which is spiritual in nature. And to be revived, we need spiritual nourishment from the word and from what verse six says, good doctrine.
You don't need praise. You don't need comfort. You're not going to have comfort. <laughs> uh, Chris, we don't need we don't need admiration. You don't need the applause. You don't need the high five. You don't need the pat on the back. We need to be nourished up in the word and good doctrine. You don't have to put your hand up or answer loudly, but just answer to the Lord in your own heart. Are you willing to be wrongfully accused? Are you willing to be persecuted for your faith? Are you willing to be betrayed? Are you willing to go through some of the persecution that Christians have gone through? I'm not going to be able to, and you're not going to be able to, if we're not nourished up right. in the word and have some good doctrine. We're not going to be able to withstand. We need the nourishing up. And... If a minister, a good, if you want to be a good minister, if we can't stand on the battle line, on the battlefield, if we can't stand for truth right now in America, when we still have freedom to do this, where do you think the minister is going to be or the Christian is going to be when we lose the rights that we have here as American Christians? You can't hardly get Christians to be faithful to church anymore, let alone three times a week. What do you think is going to happen when there's the possibility of dying for your faith? Where are they going to be? The same place they've always been. Reruns a Wheel of Fortune on midweek service. Sleeping in instead of Sunday school. We need to be nourished up. We need to be nourished up so that doesn't happen to me. I don't want that to happen to me. And I don't want that to happen to you. Verse number six, when you look at that, be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine. It's not time for retreating. Yeah. It's not time for giving the culture what the culture wants. Right. It's time to let's start focusing in on what's our spiritual nutrition look like. Mm. Maybe we need some more nourishing. We need to be in. We need to be in the words of faith. Many of us have been saved for a good bit. And I got just got this Bible. Not even not even a year ago. I don't even have. Oh, here it is. I got my initials on it. Amen. Church Bible Publishers. They put my initials on it. <laughs> this is. This isn't just calfskin. This is iron calfskin. <laughs> I mean, you can tack another 50 bucks on it if you got iron on it. <laughs> but this, this does not do me any good. And it's not going to do you any good if it just sits on the shelf. Yeah, right. It isn't. 
We've got to open it up and get some nourishing from it. That's great that you got rid of the the cable TV. That's great that you got rid of all the social media. That's great that you got rid of all that junk. But your Bible can't just sit on the kitchen table and never be opened. It's not going to nourish you. Mamas, do you make a really nice meal and have everyone sit around the table and it just sits there? (laughs) That would be pretty hurtful if that's what your family did. You're going to make that meal. Everybody's going to sit down and you just can't wait till they dive in. God wants us to open this book, crack it open, read it, get some nourishing. He doesn't want us to, he doesn't, he he doesn't have this Bible for us to be served to us to keep it at a distance on the table. Right. He wants us in it. First uh, Timothy, look at verse number one, the seducing spirits in chapter four. We talked about this in depth. I'm just going to bri- uh, kind of briefly speak on it. But this, uh, the seducing spirits at the end of verse one, they're there to con and tempt us. And they're going to make promises for the purpose of tricking us into something. That's what a seducing Seduction is a seducing spirit. These doctrines of devils is very clear that, I mean, it's right in front of us. Guess who else has doctrine? The devils. Yeah. Yeah. They have doctrine. Yeah. (laughs) And they want to get you into their doctrine by seducing you. So verse six says we need some good ministers who are nourished up in what? Good doctrine to counter what? The doctrines that the devil will try to go to get you to go along with and these false ministers. And guess what? That's not going to be nourishment. That's going to be Twinkies and Doritos and soda pop. And you end up going to have your teeth rotted out. You want good nourishment if you want to perform on the battlefield. Right. An athlete doesn't eat Twinkies and Doritos and soda pop and then go out and, 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 and perform well as a fighter. He is going to have a strict diet that is for the benefit of his physical body. And God says, if you want to be a good minister, if you want to be a good Christian, you need some good nourishment. You can't live off the junk food. Second Corinthians chapter number 11, verse number four. Bible says, for if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus whom we have not preached. Every demonation, every belief system, every philosophy has a Jesus. Yeah. You can witness to a Buddhist monk and ask him, do you believe in Jesus? Yes. He has a Jesus. He doesn't have the Jesus Christ of the Bible that we believe, teach, and preach. Everybody has a Jesus. Mm -hmm. It also says in verse number four, or if you receive another spirit, guess what else there are? Other spirits. And then it says, which you have not received, or another, here it is, gospel, which you have not accepted, you might well bear with him. You've got different spirits and you've got different gospels and part 
You know what the main part of witnessing is? You're basically telling people that the Jesus they believe in is a figment of their philosophical mind. And the, and, the, and the doctrines that they believe are wrong. Now, you might not come out and be that blunt about it. But Chris, if you're going to go out and knock on some doors in your neighborhood and you're going to give that booklet out about God's grace, you know what that book's basically going to tell them? That their works are wrong. <laughs> that their way is wrong. We need to be careful of this because to be a good minister, we need to understand what, how to stay away from the bad nourishment and get hooked in on the good nourishment. Look at verse 13 in 2 Corinthians 11. We'll see, uh, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Different apostles, different kinds of workers. Everybody's working for somebody. Everybody's got a boss. Who's your boss? I hope it's the Lord Jesus Christ. I trust it is. Now, verse 15 is the point I wanted to get to. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be what? Transformed as the ministers of righteousness. They're going to look right, but they're wrong. Yeah whose end shall be according to their works. Now, isn't that a lot in that, in that chapter? There's a lot of Jesuses. There's a lot of workers. There's a lot of Gospels. There's a lot of ministers. So how in the world do we keep ourselves safe from falling into that? How do you keep yourself safe from a minister behind this pulpit that would deceive you? How do I keep myself safe from someone who would come into the church house and have a Jesus and have a gospel and have workers and have a spirit? 1 Timothy 4 gives us the clear, concrete answer. We need to be nourished up in the words of faith Amen. and good doctrine. That's how. Because <laughs> you check me out by this word and you check me out by the doctrine that's in this word and vice versa. It's the word that we need the nourishing from. Go back to 1 Timothy 4 if you would. When you look at verse 3, when it says forbidding to marry, how would you know that that is really a doctrine of the devil? You've been with us through 1 Timothy 4. You would know that verse 3 tells us what? Bishops and deacons should be the husband of what? One wife. Pretty clear to me. That's how you check out the doctrine. By the word of God. Denominations that are embracing the LGBT lifestyle. And now they're stepping behind pulpits. And they're saying, well, I'm a good Lutheran or I'm a good Methodist or I'm a good just fill in the blank. And they're behind the pulpit. And how how do you know if they're right or you're right? Well, what does chapter three tell us? Should be the husband of one wife. It's pretty simple. You when you know the doctrine, you understand when you can point out a doctrine of devil, a doctrine of the devils. Um. 
All right, let's go verse number six again. First Timothy chapter four, verse number six. It says, Nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. How many of you get annoyed when your kids get caught on repeat? And it's the same thing over and over again. And it's sometimes you're just like, snap you out of it. Do you know when we go out and for public ministry, do you know we are adult Christians that are called on that are should, should be called on repeat? It's the same message over and over again. And if Jacob and I would to spend, would to spend the next Friday and Saturday together for the next six months, I'm going to know exactly what he's going to say before he says it, because I know his, it, 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 what he's going to preach. And then he's going to, same thing with me. Why? Because it's the same message. Yeah. <laughs> Part of being nourished up is hearing the same thing yeah. over and over again. How many of you have read through your Bible once? We should get ourselves called on repeat and do it again. Yeah. <laughs> so what I'm saying is getting called on repeat, repeat isn't always a bad thing because we need to hear it again. We need to read it again. We need to hear it again. We need to see it again. We need another application of it. Because you're talking about a book that's a big book. And you're talking about a book that when you get in this book, you're not going to exhaust it. You'll get in it this year and you'll see something in this chapter. And then next year you'll be going through it and you'll see something. And you're like, man, I, why didn't I see that before? That happens to every Christian, mm -hmm. doesn't it? You know what that is? That's the nourishing up. And that's the good doctrine. Let's keep. Let's keep our hearts and our minds and our eyes in this book. I don't know how much nourishment you're going to get from Fox News or the Bilderberger Report or the Alex Jones or all these guys that you, not you, but this world thinks that they're finally going to find an answer on how to solve a problem. Or... We can spend eight hours a week in this book. What one do you think is the better option? Mm -hmm. Stay tuned into the news to find out if they're putting poison in your water so you can buy bottled water at Walmart. Do all that. But don't do it at the expense of letting this sit on your bookshelf. Yes. I want to get nourished up. Paul and Timothy were good examples and were good ministers. And they had the ability to nourish others as well. It's better to be counseling than commanding. Make sense? It's better to be able to dictate truth, not be a dictator. There's a difference. I want to help nourish you. And as I read and teach and study the Bible, I get some nourishment and it should go both ways. Um, 
And both sides, both ways, both lanes should know that the nourishing ultimately comes from the Word of God. And when we get away from the authority of the Word of God, now it becomes either the strong personality of the preacher or the strong personality of the congregation to stop the preacher or the strong personality of the preacher to stop the congregation. And it just doesn't work. But if the word of God is the final authority, then guess who has a say? Everybody, if they go by the word of God. Right. Would you get upset at somebody if they said, hey, I want to show you something in the Bible. And it might go against your preconceived notion. I wouldn't. And, I, I, and I've been shown some stuff. I, I, I've been saved for a bit. You've been saved for a bit. Year by year. Don't you see stuff? Or somebody shows you something. You're like, wow, I, yeah, I got to get that right. I got to get that right. That's called Christian growth. Yeah. And that's the nourishing up that Paul is talking about. Here's what God expects from us to be nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine. He expects personal willingness on our part. Because without personal willingness, it's only and always going to be, well, memorize this verse. Memorize this chapter. It's always going to be recite and repeat, recite and repeat, rote memory. Now that's a start. That's a start, especially if you're doing a, you're discipling somebody or you are having a Sunday school. That's a start. But it can't be the end. Because that child or that Christian has to take their own mind, their own, their, their will, their heart, their emotions and they have to really want to dive in and get it. That's what this nourishing up is. Eat your corn. I don't like it. <laughs> Eat your carrots. I don't like it. Eat your peas. <laughs> I don't like them. There's no personal willingness. The best you got is mix those peas in a casserole and hope that I don't see them or taste them. <laughs> or the best you got is eat your corn or no dessert. That's the best you got. And he'll get the corn down and I'll get the peas down. But there isn't a personal willingness to want to enjoy the nourishing that it provides. Mm. And until you and I have a personal willingness to want to be nourished up in this word. We're going to be like a lost person in, in a sense where we just don't understand spiritual things because mm. we, we're, we're just not willing to want to be taught. Mm. And, and so we, if you want God's word to lose value in someone's life, you just force it or guilt it upon them. 
and they'll resent you and they'll resent the book. It's unfortunate, but there's got to be personal willingness. Here's a thought. If you put a seed into some dirt, into some soil, you can have a harvest, you can have a crop come up if, what happens? If the seed and the soil, the nutrients of that soil, come in contact and work together, right? It'll work. You'll get some, you'll get some corn. You get some. It's not really the case with the house, though. I mean, you can take clay or dirt or, or anything, and all you're going to do is flatten it out, pound it down, and then you're going to essentially force some concrete on there, and you're going to force a foundation on there, and then you're going to have a house. Now, you got to do that with a house. But the point I'm making is you can't do that with somebody's soul. <laughs> yeah. You can't force something on them. They're not, you're not building, a, 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 it's not a construction project in, in, in that sense. A seed can't grow in every soil condition. That soil has to have some nourishing uh, nutrients that have some life. It that seed, in other words, has to come in contact with life. And that's us with God's word. Yeah. Same we talked about with children and just if it's just recite and repeat, okay, that's kind of like the dead work of the builder. You're just forcing the, 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 the building on the soil. Let's finish up with this. Let's go over to Mark chapter 6, if you would. Mark chapter 6. First Timothy, it talks about if thou put the brethren in remembrance. If thou put the brethren in remembrance. That's a form of nourishing as well. Thinking of somebody else. It will help you as you try to help somebody else. That nourishes your heart. Mm -hmm. And Mark 6, uh, verse number 30. Mark 6, verse number 30. I believe the disciples learned this lesson of compassion, kindness, feelings, putting others in remembrance. Verse 30, and the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while, for there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately, and the people saw them departing, and many knew him and ran afoot thither out of all cities and outward, and outwent them and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and was moved. He wasn't just moved. He was moved with compassion toward them. Jesus always thought of the multitude. He always thought of the others. Yeah. There's some nourishing personally that will happen in our life when we think of 
the others. And these others have a need uh, because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Do you think they got some spiritual nourishment from the teaching? Where do you think that teaching came from? The words of faith, good doctrine. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came at him and said, this is a desert place and now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country round about into the villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. Okay, that's enough. Y'all go ahead. <laughs> but that wasn't Jesus. Mm -hmm. That was the disciples having a different heart attitude than Jesus did. So Jesus, in the answer, said to them, give ye them to eat. Jesus is thinking of others. You may have been saved and grew up in church. You may have been in church for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. You're nourished up. But guess who isn't? Somebody. Mm -hmm. Going over it again with somebody and taking the time with somebody is what it means to be a Christian. Yeah. Well, it's easier to just send them away. Hey, go buy yourself a meal. We're done. Jesus spent time with them. And they say unto him, shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? And he saith unto them, how many loaves have you? Go and see. And when they knew... They say five and two fishes, and he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. Wow. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and break the loaves and gave them to his disciples and set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them, to them all. And they did all eat and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments of the fishes and they did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. Before your fear of losing out causes some causes you to say, why don't you all go on? You know why we say that? Because we fear we're going to lose out. Mm. there's really not enough food here uh, McDonald's is open go ahead down the road it's your and my fear of missing a good meal it's, you, it's, it's our fear of missing out on something that could be for us mm. so we want to send other people away and Jesus said nope I'm going to Take what we have and it's going to be sufficient. Now, I would have loved to have been there on that scene, wouldn't you? The nourishing up comes from, as well, a heart that says, I'm concerned about the brethren. I'm concerned about others. A good minister is hard to find. We must all be aware of the doctrines of devils, the lies, the hypocrisies. And all of us know the difference between a good, old-fashioned, southern home-cooked meal from a grease grill that's all fryer food. Mm -hmm. We know the difference. And you know what we should know as Christians? The difference between a good minister and a false minister. Mm -hmm.